From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio this morning. A couple of guests for you comprising the majority of the show today. We're going to talk to Gabe DiArmond of PowerMizzou.com. You know him from, from uh, G-Pits from time to time. And we have Gabe on the podcast a pretty good bit as well. Ole Miss and Missouri tonight in basketball from Columbia, Missouri. Ole Miss arrived last night went straight to shoot-around. They'll face the Tigers tonight trying to uh, get back on the winning side of things. They had a three-game winning streak snapped by Kentucky on Saturday. So we'll go talk to Gabe about that. We'll talk some football and some other things with him. We'll also talk to Brad Henderson today, the Ole Miss uh, color commentator for the 2020 season about his first weekend in the booth, his impressions from uh, the Rebels and more. So those couple guests coming up to you on the show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford's Daiquiri's lunch specials that are $4.99, two sides of bread, 32-ounce drink, ribs uh, day or night. You can call ahead. They'll even be ready, wrapped up to pick up for you there, wet or dry, whatever you'd like there from the Oxford Exxon, and you get great gas prices with the Speed Pass Plus app, the Mobile Rewards Program, and more. And you go next door to the Oxford Crystal, and you use those game tickets from uh, from the Ole Miss campus for 150 off a steamer pack or a sack full there with the Oxford Crystal. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. We are Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote. Within 15 minutes in business hours, it's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Guests join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. On Sunday, brunch begins at 1045. It features homemade biscuits, chicken, waffles, uh, live bluegrass music, and uh, <clears throat> the famous $2 mimosas, the famous $5 Bloody Marys, uh, and then coming on uh, February the 25th, it's Fat Tuesday. Join Rafters for the Fat Tuesday party. Celebrate New Orleans style with DJ Drum, Hurricanes, and Daiquiris there at Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Uh, Rebel fans, renew your football season tickets by March 31st to secure your seats in the vault this season. Tickets start at just $199. can be purchased by visiting OleMissTicks.com. The Ole Miss baseball team is back at Swayze, coming off an opening weekend series win over Louisville, hosting Arkansas State today at 4, and then Xavier for a three-game series beginning February the 21st at 4 p.m. General admission tickets are available by visiting OleMissTicks.com. The Ole Miss women's hoops team back in the pavilion on Thursday, February the 20th, as they host Kentucky at 7 p.m. Tickets can be purchased by visiting OleMissTicks.com and join the men's hoops team back in the pavilion on Saturday, February the 22nd at 7.30 as they host the Alabama Crimson Tide for Space Jam Night. Tickets remain and can be purchased by visiting OleMissTicks.com. Assuming they might get this thing in today, but it's kind of raining and crappy. and I don't know. It could be a rain out today. We'll see. Ole Miss Arkansas State, 4 o'clock is a... As said for that one, Greer Holston is supposed to pitch for Ole Miss today. Um, I don't know what they'll do tomorrow. I would assume Drew McDaniel against Alcorn, but that's strictly a guess. 
And again, they're trying to work Holston in uh, slowly into a role for this season. Kel Baker named SEC Player of the Week yesterday, along with um, um, her stat at Arkansas, who just ripped the cover off the ball all weekend. Sorry, name was uh, escaping me there for a minute. And it shouldn't because it's coming kind of like Jay Cutler at Vanderbilt. It feels like he's been there forever because he hit as a freshman from day one. But anyway, um, Kel Baker, SEC Player of the Week in his first week. And uh, yeah, Ole Miss and the Musketeers this weekend. Xavier took two out of three from Memphis. Uh, talk a little more baseball, too, with, uh, with Zach Barry. I was on with him yesterday for uh, the Red Cup podcast, so you can find that if you uh, if you are interested. Going to go to Brad in a uh, in a second to uh, to start the show. We'll talk to him again about, uh, about Ole Miss over the course of the weekend, get his impressions of pitchers, hitters, kind of just some different things about the booth. He, uh, he had a little bit of a tough assignment from first radio weekend because he didn't have the same play-by-play guy for all games. He had David Kellum and Eli Savoy. Over the course of the weekend, so let's go ahead. Let's jump to the rafters. Uh, Booty Music Hotline. Let's talk to uh, to Brad Henderson. Brad Henderson here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. We're uh, we're taping this on Monday afternoon, obviously Tuesday morning as this is running. You're uh, you made your debut over the weekend. You got a little radio experience now. I, I know you said you basically just kind of talked and made sure you didn't say anything stupid. I think which told me a couple weeks ago when uh, we first talked the first time. But overall, how do you think it went for uh, for yourself on Friday? Well, I thought it went well. You know, I wasn't with David, who um, who I'd practiced with, but Eli's a pro at it, and we we made it through Friday and Saturday, and it, it always helps when you win the series. Did you? Th- was it any different having two different play-by-play guys over the weekend, as far as just kind of understanding their cadence, how much they talk, and those kind of things? I mean, being fairly new at it, did that make any difference at all for you? Uh, not really. You know, e- Eli was more of a straightforward to the point where where as David is is a lot more in depth just simply because he's around the program a lot more he knows the history knows the players but uh no I I thought both of them were really good and I I really enjoyed it let's go through the game a little bit they obviously said win two out of three and I I talked a little bit about on our show yesterday that I thought you know Louisville a team that steals a lot of bases that kind of tries to get in teams heads a little bit they try to create chaos if you will I thought Ole Miss really dictated the tempo for the majority of the series, especially on Saturday and Sunday. Now, a lot of that was because of Hayden, and they weren't able to run on him. But, you know, with so many new guys, I thought Ole Miss kind of found a – really found an identity pretty early in the in the, in the season and in that weekend. Yeah. What little I've seen of them in the spring, uh, Coach Bianco does a, an unbelievable job as far as pitchers uh, controlling the tempo, varying the looks, maybe a slide step here or there. Yeah, obviously Louisville came in with a ton of stolen bases last year, and, and they knew uh, that they were going to have to defend that. So they've worked on it quite a bit. Now, when you have Dunhurst back there too, I mean, that guy's a difference maker. You saw it Friday night, him throw a guy out. And I also think that had something to do with him shutting down the run game. Now, you know, you saw the last inning yesterday, Sunday's game, where uh, it was a strike him out, throw him out. But – I don't disagree with the kid running right there just simply because they're trusting Harris to put the ball in play, which he didn't. But, uh, yeah, Dunhurst is going to be a difference maker back there. In the college level, obviously you said Dunhurst is a difference maker. When, when teams are still in a lot of bases, what percentage of that is on the catcher versus the pitcher? Because, I mean, obviously pitchers give up a ton if they're not careful. There. Very little, very little. It, it's 99% of it stolen off the pitcher, yeah. you know. At this level, every catcher is going to have a good arm. And uh, but it's just if, if the pitcher's delivery, if he, you know, if, if he's over a one five or a two, if, if it's taking him two seconds to get the ball to home plate, most everybody will be able to steal on him. Now, we've got some some big horses that I don't know they're going to have the green light if a pitcher's that slow. But uh, yeah, it's it's almost always off the off the pitcher. 
And Dunhurst can make up time, obviously, is what so much of that is. I mean, I, I you don't you typically see, especially a kid that's 18 years old like that from his knees having that kind of arm. I well, mean, it's, thing, it's different. Yeah, the thing I've seen with Hayden that, that kind of separates him as far as a, a catch-and-throw guy is, yes, he, he's got an elite arm. But he is so quick from mm-hmm. on the transfer from the glove to his hand that uh, I think that's what's going to separate him after three or four years here that – that the scouts are really going to like? For the most part, offensively, the new guys played pretty well. They got a lot from the veterans or whatever. But when you're when you're evaluating some of these new guys early, what are, what are you sort of looking for to see, you know, how they've transitioned to this level, how they're handling velocity and different things? What are, what are kind of some of the indicators, that you know, regardless of stats, because he might have a good weekend or a bad weekend, but just overall an approach, what do you kind of look for in some of those early offense guys? Well, right now the thing that stood out to me was how comfortable – or uncomfortable they look. You take a guy like Peyton Chatagnier. Yeah. I mean, when that kid – physically, he looks like a freshman. Mentally, he plays like an upperclassman. He steps in the box and he's ready to hit. You see Hayden Leatherwood. I know he's a junior college kid, but he came in there first pitch yesterday in doubles. You know, those kids were mentally ready. Now, And on the flip side, you saw some that were kind of overmatched, and you expected that. I expected more of being overmatched than I did the success, and it was actually the flip of that where I thought the younger guys stepped up there and, and played like the t- at the talent level we knew they had, but they didn't play like freshmen. But to their credit, they've done it all spring as well. So Yeah, they, they handled the moment well, and I was talking about that, you know, they haven't, they haven't seen adversity yet. There's going to be scouting reports. Things are going to change and whatever. But, you know, they kind of take the confidence they probably have for the most of their lives because a lot of these guys, they've always been the best player on the field wherever they've been at, and they come here and they get some early success and they get a hit to fall. They do this. It's sort of just a continuation for them in a way. I it is, and as much as I dislike travel ball <laughs> – Travel ball gives you that because they're they're facing guys that are already throwing ninety, um, that that are playing you know have signed to play at the collegiate level. So it's not near the jump as like when I was playing back in the nineties. You know, in high school you may you may see a guy throwing eighty five, and then you're going to run out there the next year and face a Friday night guy in the mm-hmm. SEC that's throwing ninety and ninety two, and that's a tremendous jump physically and mentally and but these kids are so accustomed to it now just from travel ball that uh it's really not that big of a jump anymore I know he had the huge day on Saturday but overall what'd you kind of see from Kel Baker I mean I thought the biggest thing is he was able to handle that velocity I mean you turn around 97 that can't be taught you don't always get that so if the if the hands are good enough you can fix a lot of other stuff Kel Baker's a hitter yeah he's a baseball player um a lot of guys struggle on Friday mm-hmm. and and throughout the season Reed Detmers is gonna <laughs> win a lot of Friday ball games. But Kel Baker, he – the one thing I was proud to see was he, he laid off pitches that he should have laid off. He didn't swing at a lot of balls in the dirt because they got pretty breaking ball heavy on him yesterday, mm-hmm. and he took pitches he should have taken. He's seeing the ball really well. Obviously, the kid's got some juice. But, um, yeah, I mean, career day on Saturday. I mean, your, 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 first, your first knock in college is a home run. But – the best thing about Cal Baker right now is if we can get production from him like we did this weekend, now Tyler Ken's got some protection. And to me, that was the most promising thing coming out of the weekend because I don't know going into the weekend who was going to protect TK. And uh, I think Cal will 
certainly at some point solidify that. Especially against left-handed options because Graham typically is hitting right-handers more than left-handers and playing against right-handers and whatnot. So, yeah, it at least gives that extra guy, you know, that can be out there every day. And you know, he moves better than he gets credit for. He can play first base without much issue defensively. The feet are good. Yeah, no, he, he's an athletic guy, just not the most athletic presence, yeah. uh, to, to put it kindly. <laughs> but, no, I saw him play third base in some inner squads. I saw him play first base, and I saw him catch an inner squad game. So, mm-hmm. It goes back to he's he's just a dirtbag, you know. He's he wants to be at the field all day. Just loves baseball, but he's gonna be a fun guy to watch, man. I haven't, I, I didn't get a chance to ask him yesterday, and maybe you could find this out for me. But I'm sure he's got a nickname. I, I know the media's <laughs> probably already started and and to give him one, but I, I've got to know his nickname because he's he's John Crook slash old school hockey mullet, um, and he's just got the biggest smile you've ever seen. So. I didn't ask him. Did you notice it when we – you talked to him on Saturday too, right? I did. Okay. What was in his hand? Did you say it was in his hand? I didn't notice. It looked like he was carrying shampoo around. And we we, we, we failed to ask him, but we looked at it, and Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger turned up, looked at me, and he goes, that said something about protein, but it wasn't like protein shake. It was like protein for your hair or something. It was in like a, a, a shampoo bottle. And I said, dude, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. He's got some great locks, man. He, uh, he's In fact, I got a text Sunday before the game uh, – and he's already entering legendary status as as far as the Ole Miss fan base goes. Of course, you go four for four with two bombs, that that gets it off to a good start. But I just love the look of him and and how he plays the game. Yeah, for new front runners, I mean, for 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 new kids, the front runners for I think fan favorite are somewhere between him and Chatney because Chatney is just the way he has that all that energy and he's always shimmying around and moving around out there. Yeah, if if that guy. Ha- Wears a watch that that counts his steps. You know he's got to go from fifteen to twenty grand a day. It's uh, he's just full of energy, man. And we're we're gonna get spoiled watching him play because he he's he is really really good. We 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 know Hayden can hit. Did you feel like you pressed over the weekend? Just got kind of unlucky. What you how'd you kind of evaluate Dunhurst? Well, weekend I thought I thought Hayden. I thought it was twofold. Number one, you run out there against a lefty that's obviously an All American, so the odds weren't in his favor on Friday night. Then once we get to Saturday. You know, he missed a couple pitches, pulled off a couple pitches, hits a home run foul, and then it kind of started to snowball. I think he's pressing. I told a guy today, even this year, I think he's a – I think he can hit 280-300. He's done it all spring. He hit several home runs all spring. So, he's going to be there in the end. But, yeah, it's – you just got to get that first knock or two and get it out of the way, and then he's going to start rolling. I kind of want to go through all three of them a little bit. What you uh, what you think of Nikhazy's day? Obviously matched up with Detmer. Get, gets out of that first inning when it could have snowballed. He ends up retiring like 11 in a row or something there at one point, I, I, I think. So, you know, I, it was kind of vintage Doug, even though he didn't get the win. I, I thought he looked pretty normal. No, I thought Doug was really good Friday. Uh, I thought he kind of bowed his neck there in the first inning to get us out of it, and then he settled in. He was Doug. Of course, we get there later in the in the middle innings, and and they go four doubles, and 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 he's out of the game. But uh, he's your he's got to be your Friday guy because he's such a bulldog. Uh, he wants the ball, and you're going to get that from Doug all year. So it, it I don't think I think it sets up nicely for us that Doug's our Friday guy. Been kind of transferring over to Gunner, had a really good outing, kind of kept kept him in it, gave him a shot to to, to pull that out there late. And I thought I thought he looked different than even he did last year. I thought there was more maturity from his standpoint. I thought the fastball looked better than maybe it did at times last year. And I thought he challenged guys. I thought at times last year that, you know, he'd get behind in the count and he would kind of just throw that get me over fastball or it wouldn't it kind of come out of it a little bit. But he, he stayed pretty locked in throughout his outing on Saturday. Yeah, I thought, again, I thought uh, Gunner had a really good outing. He, 
he kept us in it. That, that's a really good Louisville offense. I mean, that's a World Series type offense with a lot of veterans. Doug kept us out of the uh, out of the big inning. I'm sorry, Gunner kept us out of the big innings. You know, he kept us in it. But like you said, he pitched to contact. And his to me, what was what stood out the most was his misses were really good. You know, it, it wasn't it was six inches off the mm-hmm. plate rather than 18 inches off the plate. Mm-hmm. You know, last year to me he looked a little timid, like he just didn't want to get killed. And he it was a much more business like approach. Uh, Saturday and what I've seen in the inner squad, so I think Gunner's going to be real good for us all year too. But he, 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 like you said, he looks so much more comfortable on the mound right now. On Sunday, you want that guy that just kind of keeps you into it, has the calming presence a little bit out there. And Derek Diamond to be his first start, have that go against him in the first inning with a rundown, let a run go across, and then settle in. I thought maybe one of the top two or three things from the weekend that I took from it is that. He looked like a veteran out there on kind of how he handles some of that adversary, adversity that he hadn't seen yet. Yeah, and, and to me, I, I know Coach Bianco and the staff, who's clearly seen him for a full, you know, for the fall and the spring, they've all said he, he's earned that. He's, he's earned that starting spot on Sunday. But for me, he was still a wild card. I knew the stuff was good, and anytime you roll an 18 or 19 year old out there for the first time in front of 8,000 people, you don't know what you're yeah. going to get. But, uh, man, he looked the part. And then I thought, obviously, the back end of the pen when you bring Burton, <laughs> another freshman in, and Burton, it just, if that doesn't give you hope as an Ole Miss fan, um, you're probably not an Ole Miss fan. Is there a, you remember facing anybody that talked to himself quite kind of like Burton does out there? I mean, I know Scherzer and some of those kind of do it, but I mean, he's he, he's chatting away at himself as he's pitching. Yeah, and I don't know that I would want to face somebody <laughs> that's out there talking. Who's to also six eight in the process? Yeah, too. you know, and and obviously uh, Kellum and I have the the monitor in there with us, uh, so we we're, we're able to see it. And I told Decast said, man, he talks in between every pitch, and there was an intensity there that I hadn't seen all spring. Uh, but I, I thought he was really good. You know, he, he didn't look overmatched. He didn't look timid. I thought he attacked hitters. And he gave us three crucial innings right there. Obviously, he gives the leadoff walk in the ninth. Uh, but I, that gap he filled right there in the back end of the bullpen was huge for us yesterday. What's the what's the challenge when you're facing a guy 6'8 like that with that kind of down angle coming down on top of you different than, you know, a, frankly, a normal-sized pitcher? You know, the, the, the key for me was you, you had to look for one pitch and hope he threw that one pitch, you know. And, and I know that sounds elementary, but as a, if, he, if, if his go-to is a fastball, then I'm going to have to sit dead red fastball, and, and you can't miss it. Because then if not, he may come back with that 80-mile-an-hour slider, and he could throw it 56 feet, and I was probably going to swing at that one. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I forget the exact quote, but I mean, you you are looking for fastball because it's kind of like I, I think Delucci told me a year or two ago. He goes, you know, n- not many people can hit you know major league sliders things, so quit. Just hit the fastball instead. Leave the other stuff alone. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the key to hitting in one way, isn't it? It is. It is. And and Kel Baker even said that in his post game with me on Saturday was Friday night. They were missing those. You know, of course they swung it a lot of them high in the zone, and uh, but. Even their their misses, they were fouling them off or, or flaring them over into the stands. They weren't timed on the fastball. That's the key to hitting, period, because you, you can't sit breaking ball and adjust to fastball. You've got to sit fastball and be able to adjust to the breaking ball. 
Cerritio has five hits, hits 500 over the course of the weekend. He walked three times. He got hit by a pitch. He was all over the base pass. You know, Friday, I, I thought it really encompassed it for him all the way around because he, he got on Detmer's fastball for a hit. He uh, he hit the hanging breaking ball there at 1.2. But I tell you, that second at bat from a quality of bat standpoint, he gets behind two strikes and lays off two of those curveballs that are fierce from Detmer's. I know, I know they didn't catch up with the fastball, but that breaking ball is kind of his strikeout pitch the way it sets up for him. So, video was really complete all weekend, and it's kind of just in the line of what Ole Miss is, is throwing out there at shortstop year after year right now. Well, he is going to shine. I, I've, I've seen enough of him now. He's your prototypical leadoff guy. He, he's going to take pitches when he needs to take them. He's going to swing at the right ones, but – He's a professional hitter. I mean, he can hit the ball to all fields. Um, obviously, he gives you the, the the athletic ability on the base pass. You know, I think he had twenty mm-hmm. somewhere around twenty five stolen bases last year. But uh, I, I think he's got a chance to be a superstar here. I really do. And then clearly yesterday we see he's got a little juice too. Uh, he hit that ball, and I don't, I don't. He didn't take very many steps yeah. out of the batter's box before the umpire kind of had to push him to yeah, go. Yeah, he was watching base. that one a little bit. Wasn't yeah, he? he was yeah. admiring it. Well, I saw I saw him take BP earlier in the year, and I even asked Coach Clem. I said, "Man, it, this kid's got some juice." He and he downplayed it. You know, he yeah, he does, but you know, he's he's going to be a well. The kid's got some juice. Kid's got some juice. You know, he's a really good baseball player. Just think, Tim got comfortable at all in there over the weekend. I mean, he gets a home run, Elko, and I mean, it, it, it was a struggle for him last year, trying to give him a lot of at bats to find some rhythm. But I, I thought even on some bats where he didn't get a hit, it, it, it looked okay over the weekend. Yeah, and they need Tim Elko to, yeah. to, to contribute this year. Obviously, he's a team captain, so the, the guys think highly of him. Uh, certainly, the home run helped, I, and but it's the little things as well. Clearly, he brings gives you some athleticism from on a de- from the defensive side as well, but. The thing that stood out to me was Saturday. We get first and third, one out, middle of the game, and he gets a little check me swing uh, to the first baseman. They try to turn two on him. Well, he beats it out, and that was a huge run. You know, just little plays like that that you look back at the end of a game and realize how important it was. Tim brings those things. But, yes, Tim Tim needs to be good this year. And like you said, he, he hadn't been – what he thinks he should have been in the past. And uh, you just hope he can relax now it's his senior year and he can go out and do bigger, better things. Ole Miss trying to figure out some bullpen roles right now. Obviously, Tyler Myers out for the year with uh, with, with Tommy John. What, was, what were your first impressions of uh, Braden Forsyth on Saturday? I thought Braden was really good. I thought his stuff was good. He, he's got, he may have the most electric stuff on the team. He's just got to command the strike zone. I think that's the staff's question mark. They haven't told me that, but – my feeling is if if he can fill it up with his stuff, then he's going to be play a huge role in the back end of that pen. Good up, pretty good offensive approach most of the weekend. Like I said, even against Detmers, you got him out of there. Took a lot of pitches. Really did that all all week. I mean, Luke Smith threw ninety one pitches, I think, in five innings. And I don't know, you know, they play Vanderbilt. They play well, frankly, the entire SC West is loaded in the top eleven in the country. But one through three, you may not see a better starting rotation than Louisville this season. It's going to be about as good as it gets. So for week one, they they acclimated themselves pretty well as a team. Yeah, we didn't look overmatched. Yeah. and and I think as an Ole Miss fan, you. you you don't realize how good that Louisville staff is. It, it, it'll show later in the year as we look back, but we won't see three three guys like that all year. We may see some that had the equivalent, you know, you run up against Vanderbilts and whoever else, but we won't see three that are better than that. And I thought the approach all weekend was great. I thought our swings were good. 
Uh, and that's hard to do because typically this time of year, your hitters are going to be behind the pitching. Uh, but we look relaxed. I thought our timely hitting was so big to, you know, with, with two outs and, but we moved base runners. We executed bunt plays and, you know, it, for three games in, they were a lot farther along than where I thought we would be, uh, at this point in the season. That's kind of where I was going. Five, five, five games this week. They get Arkansas State on or tonight. Is this, is this thing is actually showing up? Alcorn State tomorrow, and then Xavier over the course of the weekend. Just team wide, what do you sort of want to see from them over the next you know five to seven games? Is the competition comes down, but they need to find some rhythm here before they go to East Carolina here in a week or two. Yeah, they do, and and I I still think over the next maybe two to three weeks they're still trying to mix and match. You know, can 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 Kevin Graham hit left-handers mm-hmm. consistently? You know, can, can some of these freshman outfielders? find their role, find their niche, can they can they plug and play? Um, you know, and that's just something over over the next several weeks they're going to have to figure out. But that was the beauty of this weekend, too. I mean, you throw Benji Gilbert in the mix on the mound. You know, you're throwing guys out there, and you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you, you've seen them in the spring, but you don't know what truly you're going to get from Jerry on Ailey or John Rice Plumley or Trey LaFleur. Um, and so they're gonna they're gonna hit some bumps along that way because they're gonna plug guys in there that that when the lights come on aren't where they need to be. So we'll have to take our medicine at times, but it was this week was certainly encouraging. Mike likes it; he's not necessarily always married to it. But where where, where does Ole Miss fit on you know how critical you feel like Gilbert and Kimbrell are because there are no left-handed relievers otherwise. Pretty pretty light from a left-handed bullpen standpoint. Yeah, I think he's going to have to rely on those guys, and I think that's why you you saw him this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know I know Ben Benji came in and, and gives up a hit, and and but then he strikes the last guy out and shows a lot of emotion. Uh, but, yes, we, we're not deep as far as left-handers go. So, those guys are obviously going to play a, a big role, uh, whether we want them to this early or not. But, to me, it's, it's a good thing because it sets you up in the long run for more success. So, that was good to see this weekend, though. Like I said earlier, I don't think anybody was overwhelmed by the, uh, by the circumstance. Mike answered all your questions as well as he answered mine. And good, 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 good to you all weekend. Yeah, coach was good to me. <laughs> I, I think he knows. Uh, there may have been a few jitters in there, but uh, you know he's been doing it so long, and and I mean he's just he's so good at what he does. And 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 I will say this too about Mike. I thought he pushed the, all the buttons at the right time this weekend too. I think that played a critical point in when to when to pull a guy, when not to pull a guy, when to bunt, when you know. I thought all his game management this weekend was just, you know, was really, really good. Appreciate it, bro. You bet. Thanks to Brad for giving me a little bit of time yesterday. We're going to talk to Gabe DeArmond in a few seconds. Before I do that, though, I'm going to tell you about Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. You're getting local underwriting. Understands your market. A leader in condo financing in Oxford. The float down option. And with rates as good as they've been in a really long time. Good time to talk to Jason. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Our friends at Blue Delta Jeans are excited to announce that beginning uh, this week, pre-orders will be beginning for the return of Duck Canvas. Longtime Blue Delta Jeans clients will remember this durable, long-lasting fabric. It will be back, excuse me, in stock by popular demand very soon in canyon brown, green, gray, and navy at 10 and a half ounces. This Georgia milled fabric will provide you with the ultimate American made pant that is nearly unbreakable for more information or to place your orders today, visit blue Delta or reach out to blue Delta jeans on social media at 
Blue Delta Jeans. Uh, the podcast is also brought to you by Dead Soxy. If you're looking to give your employees or clients something beyond the typical koozie, need awesome marketing swag for your client or potential customer, Dead Soxy has you covered with custom socks. What better way to personalize your company swag than to create a product people will use time and time again? Visit deadsoxy.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, click on the custom socks button, and let them hold your hand through the entire process. Don't worry about not having design skills. Just share your vision with the design team, and they'll get to work putting your vision into action. Dead Soxy will create a complimentary digital mock-up of your design before any orders are placed. It's time to get customized. Go custom with your friends at Dead Soxy. We're also brought to you by Southern Craft Stove and Tap. They've got your pregame and pre-concert needs covered, whether you're headed to Oxford for the Rebels SEC basketball slate or to Tupelo for one of the many events at Bancorp South Arena. Make sure you get your event started off right with a visit to Southern Craft. Conveniently located off Highway 7 and Sisk Avenue in Oxford and at 205 East Troy Street in Tupelo, Southern Craft has all your Southern favorites ready to serve your hunger needs. So drop in, enjoy a curated cocktail or one of their many craft beers on tap. And don't worry about their catering from private, and don't forget, I should say, about their catering from private events to catering in for a staff at work. Southern Craft has your catering needs covered with a meal everyone is sure to love, so make your day crafty at Southern Craft Stove and Tap. And we're brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, giving you comfort and support that will last. A lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress with less support and durability. But from the twin size to the California King, every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American-made. Pricing is competitive when you compare it to the rest of the mattress companies in their tier. And uh, throw in the podcast discount, and it's even better. In addition, when you sleep on a Nest and Wild, you fight cancer in your sleep. Nest and Wild is partnered with former Major League pitcher Jason Mott and his foundation in the fight against cancer. They donate a portion of every mattress sold back to Jason's charity. Go to nestandwild.com, sleep on it for 99 nights, and if you don't like it, you can return it. Order your mattress, use the podcast code REBEL20, that's REBEL20, and get 20% off your purchase. Your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. Podcast is brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. They're there on 325 West Main Street in Tupelo. Also in Sugar Magnolia in Oxford, uh, booth 34 to that. To see some different dorm room options. Remember, we're offering 20% off the first 10 dorm room design appointments that you do with Nikki and Ashley. They've got 30 years of combined experience and handle anything about the uh, the home design process for you. They're also offering another deal as well. That is a 20% off any type of um, new <clears throat> sorry, new service um, promotions, including uh, commission of one-of-a-kind artwork, design services, new furniture, lighting, fixtures, lamps, rugs or remodeling, basically anything to improve the value of your home and cheaper than maybe some of the jewelry or the things you might get as a gift. There also is a uh, client gift involved with this, something that uh, the person would love. That will make it very unique for that person. So again, 662-681-6241. We back, jump back on to the... Uh, Raptors Music and Food Hotline. We'll talk to Gabe D'Armond again. Basketball, football, and Ole Miss of Missouri tonight from uh, Warren McCullough. So we'll do that now. Gabriel, as always, it's nice to uh, to have you here. First time we've talked to you since the uh, 
since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, so congratulations. I'm on a professional sports moratorium. I can't talk about it, but I would like to con- <laughs> I would like to congratulate you on behalf of uh, of those of us who like you that your team yeah. won a Super Bowl. Congrats. It, it is possible I stayed up till like 1:30 a couple nights ago watching NFL Network videos, but Fair enough. That's that's enough yeah. that's enough NFL that is. Yeah. Let's see what we do. 32 seconds. That's plenty. All right, let's <laughs> let's talk uh, Missouri Ole Miss basketball. Is uh, as people hear this, it'll, it'll be today. So uh, tonight, 7:30 at Mizzou. Two teams that, quite frankly, have had very similar seasons. Um, both got off to bad starts. Both, I think, had higher hopes than this going into the season, and both have played pretty well here lately. Um, Missouri. Looking at their last few games, they they beat Arkansas. Um, that was again overtime, if I recall correctly. Beat yeah. beat Arkansas in overtime. They lost by four in Baton Rouge in a game that they could have won, and then in kind of a what I, at least for me it was a pretty big upset. Beat Auburn by uh, twelve on Saturday night there in Como. So um, I guess any any thoughts on before we even dive into it, what you sort of expect from this game? Well. <laughs> Who knows, because they both are playing pretty well right now. Um, I, I think the only difference between these two teams is, I think before the season, like nationally, people expected Ole Miss to be good. Um, the, locally, people expected Missouri to be good, but nationally, nobody did. They were picked 13th in the league, and uh, you know nobody outside of the Missouri fan base and the Missouri program had much expectation for this team, and it, it was up until two weeks ago, like legitimately the question I was getting most often is when can they fire Conzo? You know, because that's what we do now. Every time somebody loses a game, somebody has to be fired. Uh, but they have, you know, it was interesting. Bruce Pearl said after the game on Saturday, uh, you know, his team's 22 and three. And I, I kind of looked through it today after he said, you know, the, the line isn't that big between, you know, where we're at and where Missouri's at. And, and I looked through it, and, I mean, Auburn has won five overtime games. They've had ten games decided by two possessions. They're 10-0 and in those games. So uh, most people would expect you go 5-5 five and five in those games. If they go 5-5, five and five, Auburn's sitting 17-8. and eight. They're the baseball but, team that's winning a bunch of one-run games. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you want to attribute it to an experienced team that expects to win, but the truth is a lot of it's luck. And so Missouri, if you take, you know, if they play the game that they played against Auburn, if they do that twice against Texas A&M and beat Charleston Southern, they're sitting here 15-10. and 10. And, you know, probably not an NCAA tournament team, but it's at least still on the horizon. And the point is, there's four plays in the course of a season that separate 22-3 and and number 15 Auburn and 12-13 and Missouri. You know, it's, it's just not that big a difference. It comes down to who makes a shot at the right time. Yeah, I was, you know, watching when Ole Miss played Auburn here, uh, Ole Miss lost in double overtime, and there was a play at the end of regulation where the ball is literally on the ground and I think it was Devontae Shuler, maybe it was Blake Kenson, I can't remember. Someone's trying to pick it up. And if they pick it up, it's a layup, Ole Miss wins. And the Auburn kid kind of touched it and got it off course and they went to overtime and then Auburn won in double overtime. And yeah, it's been – Ole Miss has played a ton of games like that. Ole Miss's problem this year, and I'm pulling it up, they're 
Four and eight in the league. They're thirteen and twelve overall, which is just very mediocre. Ten and four at home. They're one and seven on the road. I mean, they just yeah. Missouri's one and eight. Yeah, they, yeah. Missouri's one. Missouri and Ole Miss. Very, the numbers are very similar. Missouri is is uh, ten and three at home. One and eight away from Columbia, um, or on the road. Not kind of neutral games. So it, it's, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where, like, Ole Miss lost at Kentucky the other day in a game where. Frankly, they outplayed Kentucky for most of the game. And then they get to the last couple of minutes, and I watched a replay of it again on, on Monday. It was, it was on um, at my gym, and I kind of kept making myself watch the second half of it. And they just gave – there was a couple of times when a ball's on the ground that if Ole Miss comes up with it, they're probably in pretty good shape. And then they had, a, they had two front ends of one-on-ones where they missed. So that's potentially four-point swing there. And then they had a uh, an absolute killer bad possession in the final minute. Down down a point with the ball and about 29 seconds left, they take a contested three from Devontae Shuler with about 10 seconds left that's an air ball. I mean, and you, yeah. you, know, you can't do that. That's the kind of stuff, you know, it's one of those deals where if you look back at the end of the year, and I'm sure Missouri's had some of these games. You look back at the end of the year and you go, well, if you change this, 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 and this, but that's not how it works. That's when, right, that's when right. your season's determined. Well, and the, the thing about the SEC is, and I, I remember you were on our podcast before SEC basketball even started, and we were talking about, I don't know, there's one or two teams that's probably better than everybody. We think Vandy and A&M are worse. And by the way, Buzz Williams is a good coach. Uh, that's that's going to be a, a problem in College Station over the next few years. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is I've seen every team in the SEC play, and I've only seen one team that I look at and say, I think that's a good team, and that's LSU. Uh, Missouri had the same game that you're talking about between Ole Miss and Kentucky. They had the same game last weekend against LSU. They led for 33 minutes. And then in the last 5.05, Devontae Days and uh, the SEC Player of the Year – who I'm forgetting his name right now for LSU. Scott Mays. Uh, Mays, yeah. I mean, those two guys just took over, and it was, hey, we have the two best players on the floor, and we're going to win. And still, the difference in that game came down to Missouri was down two. They got a stop. The offensive rebound, the loose ball basically bounced out to Devontae Days 13 feet from the rim, and he threw up this jump hook, I have to beat the shot clock, it's probably not going in, but I have to shoot. And it went in. Uh, you know, and that's what games come down to. And in this league, I mean, you look around. I, it, LSU and I guess Kentucky, because of the name on the front of their jersey, you look at and say, yeah, I could see them making a run in March. But I could also see every team in this league except those two probably losing to the 12 seed on the second day of the tournament. Yeah, Kentucky was, I don't have the number in front of me, two for 22 or something insane like that from three against Ole Miss the other day. And and they, they've they struggled with the three-point shot the whole year. And they're not good enough everywhere else to overcome that. Right. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, Auburn has, I hate the word luck. Because this is two years in a two years in a row that Auburn has been quote lucky in quote. No, but Auburn was really good last year. Yeah, but my, they're my, not the same team. No, no. My my point was at some point you have to give a program credit for being so resilient and mentally tough that they just by God find ways to win games. That being said, Auburn has come out 
of a lot of 50-50s with the win, and they're due some, quote, bad luck. And when it comes, and I, I, I think it's going to, I mean, they're going to make the tournament, and they deserve to make the tournament, but yeah. they're going to have a hard time that's, getting getting on a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's not a team that you can see sustaining, you know, three, four wins in March by any stretch. And last year's Auburn team was. I mean, I think nationally people were surprised, but, like, I saw that Auburn team last year. They led Missouri by, like, three at halftime, and they beat them by 34 because that's how good they were. And they, this Auburn team isn't that good. Oh, I think it's a chance. It's a four-bid league, and I feel like an idiot because going into the season, mm, I, I think they'll get five. Yeah, they probably will. And they, and because, by the way, Neil, I don't know if you've noticed, the rest of college basketball is awful. Yeah, it's an unwatchable like, problem. There are zero great teams. What have your thoughts been on officiating in the league? There was a big conversation so, with Ole Miss yeah. and Kentucky, and I went back and I, had not, I did not see the first half on Saturday. I saw it for the first time today and, and Ole Miss did not get a favorable whistle. I thought the second half was called okay. Even there was a controversial call at the end of the game that watching it again, I was like, yeah, it's okay. I get I get the call. Yeah. But for the most part, the, the league officiating has been really bad. It's it's horrid. Um, it, and what people have to understand, and I always feel like I have to preface it with this, is there's no such thing as an SEC basketball official. You know, like the, the guy that calls an SEC game on Tuesday could call a Big Ten game on Wednesday. They don't have their own league officials like college football does. So I actually dove into this this morning in a story, and I looked at it, and it just in Missouri's last five games, the fewest number of fouls that's been called is 38. They've had three 50-foul games in the last, uh, in the last five. And so I, I looked at it and I said, is this an SEC thing? Is this, you know, what, what's going on? The SEC averages, I, I took the five major conferences and then the Big East, which I consider a major conference of basketball. I looked at it, total fouls per game. The SEC averages nearly a full foul per team per game more than any other league. Uh, they are averaging... I think 3.3 fouls more per team per game than the Big 12. Uh, the the SEC team, I believe there are 11 SEC teams that have more fouls per game than anyone in the Big 10. It, it, like, it, I mean, it's insane. 11 SEC teams would rank 15th in the Big 10 in fouls per game. And I don't know if that style of play... I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. But, I mean, the Missouri-Auburn game for 30 minutes was actually a pretty entertaining game. It was, it was good to watch. There was flow. People were making shots, all that. Then with 10 minutes left, a uh, Missouri player got thrown to the floor, and they called a foul on Missouri. And then they went to the monitor and figured out, no, that's a hook and hold on Auburn. And then the kid got a technical for stepping on the Missouri player. And then a couple minutes later, Bruce Pearl got a technical, and that game ended up with, I think the final total was 56 fouls and 75 free throws. Oh, God. And it took two and a half hours, and it was one of the worst games I've watched this year. And, you know, we have a running joke, like a lot of times in the last five years, we've gone to a Missouri basketball game and said, I think this is the worst game I've ever seen. But... It, almost every week, you go, I think this is the worst game I've ever seen. And it's not the player's fault. It's not the coach's fault. It's these officials calling 54 fouls in a game. Yeah, the game has no flow. It becomes 
kind of unwatchable, really. Yeah, it, it becomes it, – it gets to the point where I've said in each of the last two home games, I've, I've said on our message board, if I'm either coach, I'm telling my players, just drive to the basket on every single possession because if you don't score, you're going to the free throw line. Like, they, they will call it. Yeah, it's, it's why the, the end of the Ole Miss game for Ole Miss has to – for Kermit Davis, it had to be maddening. You have to drive the basketball right there because yeah. everybody says they won't call a foul on Kentucky. They'll call a foul on anyone. Yeah, they don't care who it is. Everybody's getting called for fouls. All right, Conzo Martin, after the Auburn win for Missouri, was talking about, hey, we had 13,000, 12,000 people there. I want to get fifteen. What is the fan buy-in right now for this team? Because I know, I know at Missouri, yeah. the fans want basketball to be meaningful. The fans want basketball yes. to be a big deal. In many ways, the fans probably want basketball to be more meaningful than any other sport there, and it just hasn't happened yeah. lately. What's what is kind of the what kind of a crowd do you expect tonight? What kind of an atmosphere do you expect tonight? What sort of a buy-in is there? I mean, the last two home games they've had eleven and twelve, which is good. But they've also been Saturday afternoon games. Uh, Missouri's problem is this. Basketball is very much a sport. You have to draw people that live within 45 minutes of the arena. And if you do, people on our message board have done this analysis of like population within a 50-mile radius or whatever. And Missouri is the, it's among the smallest of all Power 5 teams because St. Louis is big, Kansas City is big. Springfield's relatively big. Mid-Missouri is not big. And those are the people you need to show up to to have a good basketball fan base because it's not, you know, there's 18 games every year. Most of them are against awful opponents. Uh, you're driving an hour and 45 minutes to watch a two-hour game to drive an hour and 45 minutes home. 7.30 on Tuesday, I mean, I don't know, they'll have eight thousand maybe. Uh, and Missouri's biggest problem is they built an arena – in I want to say it was 2005 when this arena opened and they built it at a time where they were pretty regularly selling out a 13,000 seat arena so they built a 15,000 seat arena and then TV and attendance problems across the country popped up I mean you look at look at Ole Miss's arena Auburn's the best example in the country I think they have I think they seat about 9,000 and people think, oh, man, what a great atmosphere. And it is a great atmosphere, but it's a great atmosphere largely because only 9,000 people can get in. If Missouri had a 9,000-seat arena, it would be unbelievable there. But they have this huge, cavernous 15,000-seat arena where there's not probably 15 teams in the country that draw 15,000 people a game for basketball. Take a quick break in our talk with Gabe to tell you about Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy, G&M right there. On South Lamar in Oxford, 662-236-2222 is the phone number. They deliver locally in the Oxford area to your home or workplace. And also right now, still time to get a flu shot. If you haven't done that, flu still going around. It's affecting people every single day in the area. So $0 copay on most insurance plans. You have to wait in line for an overworked pharmacist to chain drugstores. So stop by one of the locally owned pharmacies. They have a number of pharmacists available dedicated to getting you in and out as quickly and painlessly as possible. That's Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs or G&M off South Lamar and Oxford. Again, 662-236-2222.
We're also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi. They have clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. They're also home to the Pinnacle Trust 401k advisory services team. If your 401k is not operating at a level that uh, you and your employees are pleased with, Get in touch with them. They'll conduct a complimentary, no-obligation benchmarking and analysis of your current 401k plan. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the Oxford Exxon podcast. You get 10% off your first year's fees. We're also brought to you by the Weston Jackson. It is a Marriott property in downtown Jackson, home to Soul Spa, the ultimate luxury spa experience in downtown Jackson, and also home to Estelle Wine Bar and Bistro, where you can sip on a creative craft cocktail or enjoy their curated wine list. It's open for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch there at Estelle in the uh, Weston Jackson in downtown Jackson. We're also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Whether you're thinking about a golf trip this summer, an anniversary trip, you're thinking about going to Florida, uh, Napa, uh, the Caribbean, Europe, whatever the case may be, you need to get in touch with John. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits simply not available to other travelers. All you got to do is get in touch with him. You give him some parameters, give him a budget, and then uh, sit back. And don't do anything. Let him give you options. He'll come up with options that you won't come up with on your own. And you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. It's a podcast that's also brought to you by Grenada Nissan if you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle. I highly recommend Grenada Nissan. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. Gene and Sandy Grass and the people there at Grenada Nissan are longtime friends of our site, our podcast. So uh, go in, tell them that you heard about Grenada Nissan on the podcast. You'll get Rebel Savings on top of the already great deals at Grenada Nissan. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. And we're brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB is also home to a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest as long as you keep $10,000 in the account. It comes with fully interactive online banking. They can set up any local business to deposit checks from their office and not have to worry about coming to the bank daily to deposit those checks. To learn more about that program and OUB, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. Now back to Gabe DeArmond. Yeah, Ole Miss is in the same boat. They play these midweek games late at night, and if you I mean if you live in Memphis, even it's an hour and fifteen minutes. If you live in Jackson, it's 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 a little over two hours. It's and, and I don't know if the SEC and the Big Ten and these conferences realized it when they did it. They may have realized it and just said, "Screw it, we're taking the money." But the problem with putting every game on TV is what incentive do you have to drive an hour each way to watch a basketball game? Well, you don't. Why would you do it? Right. The game's on television. Every single game from the comfort of your home. You can go to bed at 930. Yeah. If you live in. You you can have dinner at home. Yeah. If you live in St. Louis and you're a Mizzou fan, you can watch the game at 730, turn off the TV at 10 o'clock and 
Yep. Get up and you're fresh in the morning to, to go. To yeah. Bed. And, and yeah, you don't want to get home at 1230 and have to get up at 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning and work. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. And, and I get it. There's no there's no ideal way to do it with TV and stuff. I, I do think there are better ways for them to put the schedules together, but I'm sure. Yeah. That eight it, o'clock basketball games should not exist. I'm sure it's, that's a lot more complicated than I think it is. But but I, I don't know. I I'd love to know what some of the ratings are on some of these games, like Ole Miss, Missouri, and it's not their fault. They scheduled it a long time ago. They probably thought these two teams would be better, but I mean, what what kind of a TV rating are you getting on this on a Tuesday night at seven yeah. thirty? Yeah, um, like uh, I don't know a lot about TV ratings. I, I do know, like, uh, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to talk about pro sports, but the the Careful. Super Bowl peaked at a 97 share in Kansas City, which meant 97 percent of the televisions that were on in the city were watching the Super Bowl. And I have questions for the other three percent of the people, but we'll talk about that another time. But so a share, like, I don't know, what will this be in in Columbia and Oxford? Like a five, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. It's a, I have no idea. It's a good question. I, all right, Missouri was out two starters in the win over Auburn. Uh, Mark Smith was out yeah. with a back injury. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman's out with a, a what appears to be kind of a chronic foot stress fracture. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Um, I, I, know that, I know that access is pretty limited over there, but what, what are you hearing in terms of whether those guys are going to play? Well, the funny thing is, it's not just access. So, Conzo Martin is a guy who grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois, one of the worst neighborhoods in the country with a single mother. He overcame cancer. Like, in Conzo Martin's mind, if your limbs are attached, you should play. So, asking him about injuries is just stupid. Like, you know, I mean, he, he thinks everybody should play. If you can walk, you can play basketball. Uh, because he's one of the toughest people that's probably ever been involved in this sport. So I, I, I would be shocked if Tillman plays because, frankly, my expectation is Tillman's not going to play the rest of this year, and he may just be done at Missouri. Um, Mark Smith, I don't know. They've been telling us for two weeks he wants to play and he feels good. Conzo said last week, and he's the first coach I think has ever heard this because most or said this because most coaches say, I just asked the doctor, and the doctor tells me who can play and who can't, right? Conzo said, yeah, I don't really care what the doctor says. I have to look in your eyes and know you can play. So, I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine on that because I'm not looking in Mark Smith's eyes anytime soon. <laughs> There's a lot riding on this from a writing standpoint, by the way. Um, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Missouri all tied at 4-8. Uh, and eight. Yeah. Georgia's going to play on Wednesday night. Vanderbilt's going to play on Wednesday night. I feel safe yeah. in saying that. Yes. Uh, I think it's safe to say Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Florida, South Carolina, and Mississippi State are not going to play on Wednesday night. Alabama, Tennessee, and Texas A&M would have to really spit the bit. So this, yeah. this Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri thing, one of those teams is going to get Wednesday night off, and they play each other a yeah. bunch down the stretch. Yeah, and Missouri actually, four of their last six games are against teams even or below them in the standings. They get Ole Miss twice, Arkansas once, and, uh, and Vandy. Um, and then they played Mississippi State and Alabama, but they're both at home. Uh, so if you just look at the schedule, I actually think Missouri has a, a pretty decent advantage between those three teams. I mean, Arkansas, is they are leaking oil. I, I mean, they look... They looked horrendous last week at Missouri and haven't looked much better since well, you then. Know, I was, I was I'd in, be surprised if they avoid Wednesday. 
Yeah, I was in Fayetteville on Saturday, and, and I didn't go to the game, obviously, but it was on, and uh, they they had they, they should have won, and they let it get away from them late, lost on the last second tip in, had a big crowd at Bud Walton, and it just sort of felt like the, that team's last stand. Like, that's it. You're done. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, they're, Eric Musselman did a fantastic job for about two and a half months, but it's falling apart. And actually, after the Arkansas game, Conzo gave us what is one of my favorite quotes uh, of the year. He, you know, Missouri had this huge rebounding edge against Arkansas, and somebody asked him about it, and he said, well, Arkansas, he said, I don't, no, I'm not saying they're small, but they don't have those 6'10", 6'11", guys that most teams have. Well, no, so, I mean, just say they're small. Like, it's a fact. It's not an insult. <laughs> That's like, I mean, like, someone saying, I'm not saying Neil's bald. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying he doesn't actually have any hair. He doesn't have much hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, that was one of those I had to had to absolutely stifle a laugh in the middle of a press conference. But you know what's crazy, and we'll get off basketball in a second. I'll ask you a little football, then I'll leave you alone. Uh, what's, what's crazy about Ole Miss and Missouri, not Arkansas, I don't think. And and they Mason Jones tries, man. He he plays hard. He's a good player. But I don't think they have the ability to win a couple of games and, and have an interesting moment in Nashville. If you told me that Ole Miss or Missouri, especially if they could avoid Wednesday night, could win a Thursday game and make a Friday game interesting, I'd buy it. I mean, look, if there's ever a league that the nine seed can win the conference tournament, this is it. I, I, because, again, there's just not – there's nobody that you look at and say, I'm really scared to play them. You no, know, I, I no, mean, there just not. isn't. No, I mean, I'm looking at it from an Ole Miss perspective. They just played Kentucky to literally the final 10 seconds. They took Auburn to double overtime. They've lost to LSU twice, but the game here was very competitive. They've beaten Florida. They beat South Carolina. They beat Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. They play Alabama you know, on Saturday. Uh, they lost pretty handedly in Knoxville. They kicked their ass. Uh, they lost. Yeah, at, but Tennessee's not good. No, they lost at Texas A&M in a weird game. And, like, I'm with you. I think Buzz Williams is terrific. Uh, they lost to Arkansas, but they would beat Arkansas now. We'll find out about Missouri. They beat Georgia, and they play Vanderbilt near the end. I mean, they, 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 yeah, there's, there's nobody that you look at in, in the conference tournament and go, no way. Nope. Run into them and it's over. And I, nobody wants to play Kentucky in a conference tournament, but this is not a good Kentucky team. It, it's No, it, it, it's not at all. Although I did see a stat earlier uh, this year. Every John Calipari team that has won in Knoxville has gone to the Final Four, and they won in Knoxville, so uh-huh. I don't know. They could be – They could be. and the thing is, college basketball is so bad, they'll be a, a three or a four seed. So, you know, we could look up at the end of the year and there's Kentucky in the Final Four. All right, a couple minutes. Uh, Missouri, like Ole Miss, has a new football coach. Uh, it's Aliyah Drinkwitz. What's the, uh, what's the feeling been in Columbia about him? Uh, I mean, people love him right now uh, because, it, you know, new coaches um, until they – there's never a better time to be a coach than the nine months before you play a game. Uh, because everybody loves you. But the thing I've noticed about Drinkwitz, and and I wonder if you've had the same impression about Lane Kiffin, uh, is Drinkwitz really gets social media and the promotion part. Um, You know, he's he's tweeting out all these videos and all these things that get people really fired up. And my explanation for that, he's 36 years old. 
So Twitter has always been a thing when he's been a college football coach. And that's never been true for any other coach I've covered at Missouri. You know, all of the rest of them had to adapt to this new thing. And for Drinkwitz, I mean, when he was 25 years old and started his coaching career, Twitter already existed. So he kind of got that. He was in on the ground floor and kind of got how to use it. And he's winning the PR game with Missouri fans. Now, whether that means anything come game one, nobody has any idea. But it's all he can do right now. Yeah, Kiffin obviously has a pretty strong Twitter game. He's really yeah. good at it. He's very enjoyable. I think he enjoys Twitter far more than he enjoys human interaction. I mean, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> or football for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think I actually you know what's interesting about Kiffin is I think he loves football. I think he loves the he loves coaching game day and I I think he's one of those and I'm learning this kind of about him as I hear from him. I've only talked to him the one time, but he he apparently is an absolute savant on the field on game day. Right. And so, like anybody who's kind of a savant, a lot of other stuff's kind of awkward. Yeah. So, And, and most college football coaches are that way. Like, they are geniuses as far as football goes, but nobody's mistaking them for a genius in, in his day-to-day life. Yeah, and, and Kiffin, I think, has a lot of interest away from football, unlike a lot of football coaches where I think it's just football, football, football. Right. I actually think he has a lot of in, things that interest him away from football, but it's just kind of getting him into a place where he'll talk about those things is is apparently pretty difficult. And we, we, we talked to him last week on the podcast, and – we kind of got into some fun stuff. We just didn't even touch football. We just decided to talk about other stuff. And I mean, we touched it, but we didn't touch it much. And, and, uh, I mean, he was interesting. It's, it, well, it, it's amazing how many coaches, if you talk to them about things that aren't, why is your team good or bad? Who's going to win this position? Like they actually have good things to say. I mean, we got Conzo Martin in a discussion last week about, you know, the, the changes in kids and all the voices around them and, and, and all that, and it, it was some of the best stuff we had all year. Now, you ask him, you know, why can't you make a three-pointer? It's boring. Nobody cares. He says he, he goes into robot mode. But you get him talking about other things, it, they actually sometimes tend to be human beings. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it's the better interview strategy, frankly, when you, we, especially, yeah. especially when it's early and, and a coach doesn't know you yet. Like, Drinkwitz doesn't know you yet. He, he doesn't. He he might know who you are or whatnot, but he doesn't. Y'all don't have a a, a friendship. Oh, there's no relationship. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, friendship's the wrong word. Relationship is the word. There's no where you know where you can have a conversation that just touches on the hey, how's your family? You know, how are your kids? All that stuff. Right. You know, we're you know like I wouldn't say that Matt Luke and I were friends, but Matt Luke knew I you know I had do- I had two girls. He knew I had a son, and you know so we could we could have a conversation about you know family stuff where we weren't sitting there going so uh that third and seven call what was that <laughs> right you know right so, um i guess that's about it i just i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting sec football season and you know with the new coaches in different places and everybody seems excited with their coach even though some of the searches got weird like the one there got weird the one at arkansas yeah. got weird yet they're they're all in on uh on freeman they're they're Pittman, Pittman. I mean, why did I say Freeman? Yeah. I, um. Can we talk about though? Like, I mean, his Twitter account scares you, right? 
I don't know that I'm like it's legitimately concerning. The, I don't know the that I'm paying yes attention sir, to the videos. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I had to go kind of curl up in the fetal position for a minute after I saw that for the first time. Yeah, I've gotten to where I just I don't know. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, luckily my kid who goes there doesn't know anything about. She just she, sport, <laughs> right. sports just don't. Sports just don't do anything for her at all. So it, it's you know no. We had the we had the Arkansas Mississippi State basketball game on in the hotel room um, the other day as it ended and you know when it ended Caroline who's not she's a, a junior at Oxford High School she was like oh man and Campbell was like eh you know <laughs> yeah whatever her, her level of disappointment over Arkansas losing at the buzzer lasted for less than the amount of time that was left on the clock which was right. like 0.6 seconds or something so i don't i don't know i but you know as a old miss people are excited about about kiffin and understandably so and the mississippi state people are at least intrigued with what's going to happen with leach and and uh you know I, i'm assuming that missouri felt like it was sort of time for a change i don't know that it, i don't know i'd be yeah. curious to know how many missouri fans a year ago if i if i'd asked 100 missouri fans who is Elijah Drinkwitz? How many would have been able to tell me he's the coach at App State? Yeah, not not many. Um, uh, you know, but he's 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 got them excited, and he's doing what he can do at this time of year. And then you know it, that lasts until you lose to South Carolina, and then you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for the time. Uh, we, we, Appreciate the help tomorrow night, and I mean tonight, yep. and we'll help you. Uh, we'll help you when the Tigers come to Oxford. All right, sounds good. Thanks, right, man. man. Thanks, bye. Thanks to Gabe for joining us uh, this morning, or at least joining Neil yesterday. Podcast also brought to you by Visit Oxford. Visit OxfordMS.com. Go to the events page, see what's going on locally. Also have tabs for where to stay, where to eat, what to do, and see, and plenty of resources there. If you're coming into town for the first time or the uh, thousandth time, or if you live here, still miss things. It's kind of what I learned talking to Jessica a couple weeks ago. You got back baseball today. You've got uh, some events all throughout town this week. You got an Asaki and Asian Spark cuisine tasting. You got the ballet tomorrow night at the Ford Center. I'm sorry, tonight as well at the uh, at the Ford Center, seven thirty to nine for uh, for that. Plenty of theater and film options. More South Talks lectures at Tupelo Room, the Bernard Observatory on February nineteenth and uh, on the twentieth as well. So again, go to the events page. See everything going on locally in town. Visit OxfordMS.com slash events or stop by their location there on Jackson Avenue. Podcast also brought to you in part by the refrigeration company, TRC owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years at TRC. They understand that great service means being responsive and their highly trained, responsible and dedicated staff are available 24 seven to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration, but work on any other HFC, HCFC or CO2 systems. They're building winning relationships with customers in baking cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. They're based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration, analysis, and more. To learn more, call Jeremy Wattler, 251-348-8533, or email him at jeremy at com. You can follow them 
at The Refrigeration Company on Facebook or on their website, therefridgeco.com. And we're brought to you by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee in Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton. Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience and with their different areas of expertise. They offer convenience along with the latest in technology. Elite Dental Care focuses on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays and more, the TVs and radios in every room, giving patients the comforts of home, all while they receive the most modern technological treatment. They offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared or for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take time off work for multiple visits. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or in the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. It's EliteDentalCare.com, or you can follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. SEC men's basketball schedule tonight. Uh, one huge game, uh, if you where you feel like um... – Ole Miss and Missouri teams just trying to get out of that uh, that Wednesday game. Vanderbilt at Tennessee tonight obviously won the uh, the Volunteers have to have. They're hovering around 60 or so. They could still get hot, but right now on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament berth and then Arkansas at Florida tonight, which one that Florida absolutely has to have as Arkansas is starting to fall off the map a little bit. Yeah, Mike's coaching for his job down there. It's reality, and um, especially now that it appears that John Beeline is going to be on the market he and Cleveland are parting ways, and so, uh, yeah, it's big. T- Tennessee can get in the tournament, but they have absolutely no margin for error. A loss tonight would put them in the – they have to win the tournament in Nashville. Gabe and I talked about this a little bit. It's the first year in a long time that I can recall that going into the tournament, I can't tell you there's one or two prohibitive favorites to win the to win the thing. I don't look at Kentucky as some unbeatable team. They don't shoot the three well enough to be unbeatable. LSU's good, but it feels like they get every drop of the orange out, out of it mm-hmm. night in and night out, and I don't trust those teams in tournament settings. And um, Auburn's okay. Auburn's good. They, uh, they they know how to win, but they're not the same team they were a year ago, and then everybody else is just kind of – If you said, though, one of those other teams from that mid-tier got hot and won it, you wouldn't be shocked because no, I mean, everybody's gettable. South Carolina could win it. Mississippi State could win it. Um I don't think Florida could win it. Carolina's eight and four in the league. Yeah, no, they're, they're, he's he's Good he's one grief. of the he's one of the ten best coaches in the country. Good grief! It would actually be fun to watch Frank Martin coach at a, a major program. power program and see what happened. I, I don't know that his style recruits those kinds of kids. Um, although the kids who play for him love him long term, they 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 got to kind of get through it. He, he's in. He's, going to come across the wrong way he probably has a similar approach to coaching as as uh kermit kermit's not as insane crazy on the bench sometimes not as, as brash as yeah Frank martin has a but, tendency to be but martin appears to be a really good guy i've, I've met him a couple of times and really liked talking to him which maybe says more about me i don't know um yeah so the tournament's wide open there's only a couple of teams that i look at and go well they'd have no chance like vanderbilt's not going to win it A&M's not going to win it. They could beat a couple of teams. They've won six SEC games. I still think Alabama could get hot and 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 do damage in Nashville. I'm not sure Ole Miss is deep enough to make a long run. If Ole Miss is going to compete for the conference championship in the tournament, 
and I'm not saying they are. I don't think they are. But if they are, they they got to get out of Wednesday night. You're not going to play with a six-player rotation five nights in a row. Your legs will leave you, and you'll you'll shoot 20% one night, and that'll be the end of it. They've got to get into the Thursday game. And, and if you told me Ole Miss got into the Thursday game and won it and then knocked somebody off on Friday and woke up on Saturday with a chance, I'd, I'd buy it. That's, that's probably their path. You mentioned Mike White potentially coaching for his job. What's George's take on Tom Crean right now? Because, I mean, they're 2-10 in the league. They suck. He's had no ability to keep that team together at all. I mean, even even after the Ole Miss loss, which was hell, a month ago at this point, I mean, they look checked out and done. Yeah, and that's with the player that in a lot of the mocks is the number one pick in the draft. A lot of people think Edwards is the first pick in the draft. I think he's an absolute stud in the NBA. Uh, I don't think he wanted to play college basketball. I hate the one and done. He doesn't look like he wants to play. He's, no. not, he, he's not even playing to his skill set. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know why he would. He's got Ole Miss so, he took a bunch of jump shots. He's got so much money on the line. I mean, do you really, if you're him and you're his people, do you really want to be driving to the basket? Someone hits you and you get off balance and you land awkwardly on a knee and you pop an AC. Is it worth it? It's where I come from with all this, and I'm I'm in the minority on this. I know I just don't like the rules. I think if you're a kid who can go make money, go make the money if you want to go make the money. And then if you want to go to college, go to college. There's no reason this kid should be playing college basketball. Zero. Unless he wants to. It shouldn't be a requirement. But to answer your question about Crean, for whatever reason, nothing works there. I don't know why. Mark Fox is a hell of a basketball coach. He won at Nevada. Couldn't do anything. He can't win at Georgia. Um, hell, Eric Messelman won it at Nevada, and he's struggling now at Arkansas. He has a big injury. but in year one, I mean. Um, Crean won at Marquette. Yeah, he had Dwayne Wade, but he recruited Dwayne Wade. You recruit the player to win for you. That's how that works. Um, he, he, he did okay at Indiana at times. Can't get any momentum at all at Georgia. It's it's weird. The league is uh, the league is taking a step back. Several programs have taken steps back. I think if you look at it right now, there are only four teams in the league that feel good about their tournament standing, and and one of those is still having to work, and that's Florida. I mean, Kentucky's going to make the tournament. Auburn's going to make the tournament. LSU's going to make the tournament, and I think Florida's should as long as they don't just spit the bit here down the end. But that's not a good team. And Mike's just can't get the kind of momentum there that that I think they've come to expect. He's replacing a legend. It's hard. And that's really hard. They just named the court after him, and Billy won really big at Florida. Is beloved in Florida. Main, still beloved in Florida. Uh, he's compared – Mike is compared to Billy, which is completely unfair. And, and now you see what kind of a coach Billy Donovan is at the NBA level, and uh, they are pining for a return to that type of glory, and I'm, I'm not sure they think Mike can deliver it. The non-conference schedule just killing South Carolina. They're sitting there with really good numbers in most places, but that net is in the 60s still at this point, even though they're 8-4 and four in the league. They're 16-9 and nine overall, and they look back to they knocked off Virginia, who has not been what people expected, and then the next day or next game they lost to Stetson, who has a nice RPI or net of two eighty nine. So you have that loss on your uh, on your resume. Yeah, and you know they got to get hot. Their their only their only path to the tournament is they have good wins, really good wins. They do. They just have good. some bad losses. Their their path to the tournament is they've got to get. 
They're eight and four. They probably have to go twelve and six in the league. Probably have to hit a little bit of noise in Nashville and then hope that the committee throws some mulligans out. Their uh, their final games at Mississippi State, LSU, Georgia, at Alabama State, and at Vanderbilt. Tough close. Tough close, but some opportunities yeah. there. They can't screw up one of the bad ones. Win the beat beat Vanderbilt, beat Georgia. That puts you to ten. Beat State at home. It's and eleven. Try to still and then try to win one of the other three. But that would be a pretty good path. Yeah. By the way, tonight uh, we talked about this with Gabe. He didn't know the answer. Both Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman out tonight for Missouri against Ole Miss. Oh, very winnable game for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, if you're hanging on to some hope of an at-large bid. The truth is Ole Miss can't lose again. You think it's no more? Yeah, they got eight losses right now. Yeah. I don't I don't nine and nine, this team at nine and nine is going to the tournament? Probably not. I mean, how? They have to, you have to do the whole, hey, well, in the tournament, you know what I mean? You have to go, hey, get to Saturday and start playing that game out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I just I I'm not sure at ten and eight they don't have to get to Saturday. But ten and eight would give them two huge road wins at Auburn, at Mississippi State. Two winnable games as far as I'm concerned. I look they they I know this is going to sound crazy. The toughest team left on Ole Miss's schedule is Alabama Saturday night. I know everybody thinks I'm nuts. I'm just telling you. Nate Oates has has them in year one playing their asses off. And when they shoot well, they're scary. Mm-hmm. And they're deep and they're athletic. And Saturday night has a chance to be a real high-level basketball game. Now that I said that, Ole Miss will beat them by 27, and everybody will be like, I oh, see you said. You're an Alabama fan. What's the biggest one? At, at, at State to close from a net standpoint? At Auburn. Left. Oh, yeah, at Auburn. Got to right. go win over there next week. Close here. I just have one question. I'm not going to get on it. We might talk about it tomorrow. We have less to talk about and fewer guests. Did you watch The Bachelor last night? I did. I have a question. Why did they cover up the logo on a bunch of seats at Auburn Arena, but not all the seats? Did you notice this? Mm-mm. So the jerseys they had on had the AU logo and the SEC logo taped over. And when they were sitting in the stands, almost every seat in the place had the AU logo taped over on the seats. Really? However, on the court, they had none of the logos taped over. And you could yeah, because it see showed the them AU. like rolling around. Well, I mean, the- even like the courtside seats, like the folding chairs, still had the logo showing. But every, every, grandstand, if you will, seat, and then the jerseys had the logos taped over. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just. On my list of, I was just talking via uh, internet with our friend Avery Forbes, and everyone deserves to be happy, but he doesn't. He deserves the misery that's coming his way. He's going to have misery coming his way? Yeah. Dude just runs off the and you know where the story they've saved the storyline for the end and it's about to be the really awkward portion of the show which is in this particular season is really saying something because it's been awkward <laughs> yeah I, I I didn't watch a ton but I flipped it over when when the Madison date was going on last night and I just that was my only thing was noticing the Auburn arena um but yeah yeah I wouldn't have noticed that in a million years but no, I don't know. I don't know why they did that. I'm sure there's some branding rights contract or rights thing. or something. Yeah. I mean, I get the SEC maybe not giving permission or something like that. But, but why? 
if you're the SEC, I mean, if you're Auburn or the SEC, why would you not? Frankly, I was. I mean, I'll be honest. I was a little surprised Auburn's cool with them rolling around making out on the floor. Auburn's got kind of that. Yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll be honest. I was a little shocked by that. Right on the AU logo. I mean, yeah. right. Oh, in the I saw, I mean, believe me, from I saw. From a branding it. standpoint, it's right there. Which is real. It's kind of a contradictory thing because what's coming up in the next episode? Because they ended it with this, with her saying, "Hey, can we talk?" And very clearly, the conversation, you know where it's yeah. the conversation is going to be, "You, you, you should know that you I'm, do I I'm a virgin and I'm saving myself for marriage." Yeah. And if you're going to sleep with all these other women, I really don't want to go to Australia. Mm-hmm. Because it's a long flight. I mean, who are we kidding? We're not going to end up together. So let's chat. Her dad, by the way, whatever he's doing, like from an aging standpoint, he should bottle that up because dude looks like he's about 30. Yeah, I think so. And I think he's my age. Whatever he's doing, hey, kudos, my man, because you look 30 years old. Mm-hmm. That was That was the first thought was, whoa. Yeah, because when you first saw him, you thought, "Brother, like, what's who? Who is this dude?" This I mean, dad. I've seen him many times, and yeah. always went, "How's that guy look so young?" And now that I know his story, I'm really wanting to go. How, that I, I'm more interested in that than I am anything at this point. I, I would like to have a conversation with him that just says, "How do you look so young?" Looks very young, and it might just be genes. He has beautiful family. All the girls are are, are absolutely gorgeous. Full head of hair, all good. So, yep. Appreciate Brad. Appreciate Gabe today on the uh, the show. We'll uh, obviously be back tomorrow. We'll hit plenty of topics for you then. Again, Ole Miss baseball tonight, 4 o'clock, or this afternoon, 4 o'clock, depending on the weather. It's not running now, but it's kind of uh, intermittent throughout the day. And then Alcorn State tomorrow, 4 o'clock as well. So enjoy your day. Check rebelgrove.com in the meantime. We'll talk to you tomorrow.